So this podcast is called Being Better. So it's all about living life, being, and living life as good as you can, being better. And part of that is about taking ownership. It's about um, creating your own life rather than having it created for you. The uh, motivational speaker, Jim Rohn, uh, said very wisely something along the lines of, you need to get a life plan because if you don't have a plan, you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. Okay, so Jamie Klingler, who is the guest on this episode of the podcast, is someone who makes stuff happen. She is someone who has designed her own life, if you like, by starting things, creating things. I first uh, ran into Jamie when um, I was doing photography for National Burger Day, which is what she founded uh, as part of um, Shortlist Media. And she is a a serial starter of things. She founded the um, London Seafood Festival. Uh, She she just goes out there and makes stuff happen. But all of these things, or a lot of these things that she's starting, uh, involve people coming together in large numbers in small spaces. Well, I say small, but, you know, big events with lots of people, which obviously in the times of COVID-19 is something that can't happen right now. So when the lockdown struck, she had to change, she had to pivot, she had to take control of the situation because basically the rug had been taken out from under her. And so rather than waiting for the new normal to come and and tell her what was going to happen, she decided to create her own new normal. And she got together with Manifest, which is a PR and communications agency in London, and started uh, Insight Global. So Insight is a company which encourages organisations to work ethically and to find their purpose and to be authentic. And she has such vibrant energy. I learned a lot from this conversation. We talked about how um, you are the sum of the people you surround yourself with. We talked about bringing energy to the table, having self-awareness and um, taking ownership of the things that you can change in your life. Uh, We talk about those three things, what you think, what you feel and what you do. Those are the only only things you have any say over. But by controlling those, learning how to master those, you can have influence on a lot of the other things that you can't control as well. So Jamie Klingler here, she's a very uh, empowering uh, person. Her um, energy is quite addictive and contagious. And um, yeah, really enjoyed this conversation. Could have gone on for a lot longer, but she's a very busy lady. So we had to draw it to an end, uh, which was quite a, quite a shame because I could have talked all day. But I hope you enjoyed this conversation. This uh, episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Word Tank. Uh, TheWordTank.com, they are editorial service provider. If you are interested in self-publishing, if you're an academic, uh, if you are a small business, they can provide copy services, proofreading services, marketing, uh, you know, they're full service. They do podcasting, they do photography, the works, but it's mainly editorial. So if you need someone to proofread your work, if you need someone to populate your website with text, if they're SEO um, savvy, they know exactly what they're doing. They're very clever and nice people. So thank you to the Word Tank for the Word Tank for uh, sponsoring this. And also, if you want to check out my book, Shine Manifesto, it's available on Amazon. I'm giving it away very cheaply on Amazon until lockdown ends because there are a lot of people with time on their hands who need a bit of a pick-me-up. And that's what Shine Manifesto is all about. It's a pick-me-up 
Um, it's a, a kind of book of encouragement, if you like, a call to action to take ownership of our lives, and particularly now when it's time to create our own new normal rather than wait for it to happen for us. Uh, now is the time to shine. So you can get it. Uh, it's very cheap on Amazon, the ebook, Kindle book, or you can uh, get it for free if you sign up to my newsletter on my website. And um, that's just chrisbrock.uk. Go there, you'll see the links. It's easy to find, and it is a very fine book, even if I do say so myself. So, okay, here's me talking to the uh, enthusiastic and uh, contagiously um, high energy uh, maker of things, doer of things, someone who makes stuff happen, Jamie Klingler. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So Jamie Klingler, thank you very much for joining me on my podcast. You are the managing director of Insight Global, which is a relatively new thing. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you is because this kind of podcast is all about taking ownership of your life and kind of in a way designing your own life and making things happen for yourself rather than waiting for the world to, you know, working hard and then waiting for the world to reward you. And you are someone who make stuff happen basically so we first crossed paths i don't know if you remember you were ph photography director at shortlist magazine and i was doing photography uh, for shortlist magazine and i i photographed some of the the visuals for um national burger day uh which you were, are the founder of, of course. i am indeed yeah never, so, never found something on your birthday because then you have to work on your birthday for <laughs> the rest of your the rest of the day's existence which uh is now forever apparently yeah but at least you get to eat burgers you yes. know on your birthday yeah. that's not too bad so so you you founded that then you i mean this is after already you you were already doing you worked on law and order um, the tv show then you were i'm looking at your linkedin profile here shortlist magazine for almost 10 years and you worked your way up to head of um, publishing operations but then you started you just started starting things, which was amazing. So you started um, the London Seafood Festival at Battersea Power Station. Um, you founded your own kind of organization called Creative Influence Alliance, which is how you, the kind of umbrella, I guess, for all your projects. Yes. Um, but then we got talking on Twitter uh, when COVID struck. And obviously these, these events that you do, they're, they're in-person events. So it was kind of a big threat to your, to your, your income, I suppose, your business. So you yeah, and, a kind of, and a threat to kind of who I am. Like, yeah. I know there's a lot of talk about introverts and how they, how they work in, in businesses and how they survive having to be around people all day. But this did the opposite. Like, I'm such an extreme extrovert that, yeah. that being starved of people was, was really quite problematic for me and for, for who I am and for the energy I get to come up with ideas. So, like... I need people around me. I need to hear people. And I, it's, I just, the rustling and the excitement and, and overhearing dates and overhearing, like, I love the energy of other people around me that gets me in the mood to think rather than something off TV or off Zoom. So, so learning how to deal without having energy and without having the noise of other people around me was really hard. Because I'm the opposite, actually. I, I, I like my own company. I like to be in, in my space. And I'm, I'm never more comfortable than when I'm in a room on my own with no one else bothering me, you know. And maybe... So my, my perfect time is yeah. me with a book, but yeah. with my boyfriend, and John, my boyfriend Jonathan and the dog, like, in my space. So I'm touching them. I don't want them to talk to me because I really yeah. get into my books. But I need them near me. 
like I, that's when I'm happiest. He can be playing his Clash of Clans and I can be reading for hours and hours, but like just having them around and having them in my physical space is where I'm like, that's my like happy, quiet time. How important is it, do you think, to that kind of having people near you, having that kind of need for, for social contact and people nearby? How much of an impact does that kind of frame of mind and personality have on your ability to get things done and to start things and start create events and projects and things like that? Like it's nine out of 10 for me. Like I, I really struggle to work by myself. Um, like manifest who is the sister company of insight, um, reopened their office for a short period of time. And I was going in just to have three people in the office talking to each other. I like, I wasn't involved with anything they were doing. It doesn't impact on what I was creating, but just having that background noise and having people laughing and talking about dates or talking about what they were going to do next or hearing their excitement about other things. That's the kind of stuff that motivates me because what I'm trying to build in all of my events is excitement from people. So if, if I don't have that, like TV is background noise, doesn't do it for me. Like I'm an attention seeker. Like I just, I need, I need that kind of vision and that kind of energy to really get things done. I mean, do you think it'd be possible to start something like the London Seafood Festival if you didn't have that? you know, need and affinity for connection with other people. It's, it's really difficult for me to even think about what events do without, without seeing it. Like one yeah. of the, the big punt last year for, uh, not yeah, last year for London Seafood Festival was we had a 20 foot tall octopus going through the crowds that kids could touch. And so yeah. without, without, really thinking about children's smiles and laughters and being able to touch that and being walking through the crowds and surprising the crowds and having video of that and having people reacting to the shock without thinking about people's expressions and how people were going to react. That doesn't, that doesn't make you like, Oh my God, we have to do this in a shock. Everyone. Can you imagine people are going to come for miles and you can see it from 600 feet away. Like if without without visualizing what those excited faces look like, everything becomes a little flatter. So like, my, and we had mermaids in the water fixtures freezing their tails off, yeah. tails thing. But, um, but that was because little girls were lining up to take their picture with the mermaids. And like one of the girls was asking her what her favorite ice cream was. And our mermaid said that under the sea, they don't have ice cream. And this like four year old came back with ice cream for the mermaid. Oh. So like those moments are what, I adore and the meeting friends and seeing people that I didn't know that are, that didn't even know I was running the seafood festival there. And we had 45,000 people last year. So like we had started the planning, we had already met with the restaurants this year. And then when COVID looked like it was happening, we got shut down and then they extended it for two weeks of building blocks for us to be ready to know how the government was going to go. And then it got shut down again. So like, that's my five months of work that we had, locked out and we're planning on. And I'm, I'm always busy. I always, I'm out six nights a week. I'm always running a couple of projects and then I'm pitching for other projects. The, um, disappointingly, we pitched for a project mid COVID for a haunted house. And um, you know, the things that mechanics go under cars, oh, yeah. called seats, which I didn't okay. know they were called creeper seats, but we thought like a drive-in movie theater that we could do the most scary, amazing haunted house and we, when you parked your car, you don't even know that you're already in the scary bit. We were going to have clowns coming out on creeper seats from under cars. <laughs> the client was not keen on any of ours. They were like, 
somebody will get killed. <laughs> it was going to be in Tottenham, but like we were like, <laughs> like everyone will be in masks, everyone will be in gloves. We can socially distance it, but make it scary as hell. And they were like, this is the the appetite for terrifying people is probably not this year. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I still want to do it. How much of like I've I've spoken to um, authors, so people who write fiction. And they, when they write a book, they say they see it, sometimes they see it as a scene from a film. So they, they see it kind of visually. How much of when you think of something, do you think of it from in terms of an experience, uh, kind of being there and seeing, feeling the excitement and seeing, seeing the crowds coming together and that kind of thing? I think most of what I do is kind of seeing it filmatically. So yeah. like, and one of the big lessons I've learned in events is if the entrance doesn't work, you have to work so much harder for the rest of the event to cheer them up and make them have a good time. Yeah. So like, I want your, um, if you're online for National Burger Day, we had people dressed as burgers running around. My dog has a burger hat on. I always have a burger hat on. Like, I want every bit of your experience to be talking to people in the queue. I want you having a good time. I want you having the menus and deciding what you're going to eat. Like, I, I really do map out what people's pleasure points are going to be throughout the night. Um, burger pinatas, you know, like as much, and obviously in an Instagrammable world, it becomes how much is Instagrammable, like yep. how much is going to be good enough that you want to share and make people wish they were there. So like, we're, we're very careful on, on how stuff looks, how stuff tastes. Like I'm, I'm very much not a person that gets my nails done, but for seafood festival, I was teaching a bunch of people how to crack crabs and how to eat crabs at our crab shack. And I was the MC. So like I had fake red nails on so that nobody felt like my scraggly fingernails were in any of their pictures. So like, it sounds like a crazy attention to detail, but so much of it is just about how people are going to perceive me, how I'm like, I wear dresses with full lobsters on them. I have my face painted as a crab. Like I really live my brands, but a lot of that is what is their impression of me going to be? Are they going to be willing to come up to me if I, if they've got an issue or are they going to go bitch about it after the fact? Like I want people's experience to be as seamless as possible. But if it's not, um, front and deliver it to me, say it to me immediately because you know that there's a point of contact that is very visible and you can always like complain to them too. How much of this spills over into your day-to-day -day life? Because you talked about being an extreme extrovert. Is this kind of energy something you also take, you know, when you're pitching into meetings or even just going to get a coffee? Do you, do you still... know, all the time. Like, yep. and I've got, I've got a show off dog too. Like, I talk to everyone. Like yeah. if you're in my if you're in my vicinity, I will have told you my life story. Like it's I'm very much a chatterbox and 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 again, like I like hearing other people's stories. I think that's why I'm such a reader. Is yeah. cuz like I think that's how you grow empathy. I think having having read people's experiences and really diving into those worlds that you may never visit and you're never going to hear about otherwise. Like I think that's how how you learn about other people and how you learn deep dark secrets and how you like, how you take that into the world of how you treat people when you see them on the street or you see them in an event or you see them anywhere really. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of believer that the energy you put out into the world is kind of the energy you get back. And um, I, I know people when, when you start talking about energy and vibrations and stuff like that, people kind of think they kind of switch off a little bit, but the easiest way I can think of explaining it is like, if you, if you smile at people day to day from time to time, you get a smile back, you know, and it's that I'm hating masks. Like I'm hating, I'm hating masks. Not, I wear them all the time. Not that I'm anti-mask at all, but like, I want people to be able to see me smile at them. I want, I want the nod of thank you. I want, 
I like when you catch someone's eye on a bus, which I know you're not supposed to. I've been here 18 years and I'm still doing it. Like I like those exchanges. Um, I, I have a tiger jumper that my dog has a matching one, which I know is insane, but a, a two or three year old little girl on the overground was like, there's a little tiger. And like the whole carriage was laughing, but you couldn't see people's smiles, which again is, uh, it's just hard. I, yeah, I'm a big fan of seeing smiles and smiling at strangers. I've been working on my, my smizing quite a lot. And I, I remember when I was, um, I, I studied performing arts um, and theater studies and all, the, all of those kind of uh, skills. And we did a lot of work with masks, like full head masks, sort of papier-mâché thing. And um, there's so much goes into the body, you know, body language. And, you know, you can convey a lot of emotion through um, just the way you kind of your shoulders are and, you know, shrugging and, you know, your, your physicality and stuff like that. And I've, I've been really working hard in supermarkets to try and, recapture those those skills you know and, and smizing through the eyes as well sort of doing that a lot not for the female thing though because like right now but i leave the house and i'm thrown on lipstick and then i'm like my I, my boyfriend was like there's lipstick on the bank of back of all these masks because <laughs> like i i'm still just used to being like oh but no one can see it <laughs> so i mean this this energy i mean i'm a kind of low energy kind of guy so normally i, I get up in the morning and i'm like Oh, another day. And then I, I get my, my ideal day is I don't speak to anyone. I can go and meditate somewhere quietly and just not too much noise. But then I look at top, you know, successful people like Jamie Oliver and, um, you know, Russell Brand, people who've got strong brands who are, you know, making things happen. And they're just so high energy, you know, and I look at you, your high energy as well. Do you think that kind of energy is important to getting stuff done and, and creating your own life, making things happen? I think everybody has different rhythms of when they're high energy. Cause like I'm super high energy until about 3 PM and then I go off a cliff a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but like I've just taken up jogging in the last month and, and I'm jogging at 6 AM. I'm back by seven showered and done and ready to work. It's at seven 30. So I, because I'm not working in an office, one of the benefits now is I can get all of my, stuff out of the way by like 3.30. When I used to work at Shortlist, I was in charge of all the invoicing. Okay, yeah. Very, very glamorous. But like, I'm very much, I make rules for myself. So every Friday morning, I was in the office by 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I would do all the invoicing. So it was, I was done by lunch, and then I could go out and have a long lunch. But I wouldn't let myself go out and have the long lunch unless everybody was paid. So things like that, even though it's a really boring task every week, it was like, I'm helping people... That, and then they won't have to chase me. They'll work for shortlist again. Like freelancers I care about because I know so many of them. So like doing that, there were good enough bits of it that I was like easing people's stress that it was like, okay. And then I get to celebrate with this lunch every week. Um, so like things like that, like I've got a little whiteboard up that I write my notes to myself yeah. sometimes. I've got lots of to-do lists that I like, I have every like journal possible filled with like 40%. I've got tons and tons of them. But um, I'm really, really productive until about lunchtime. And then I'm just like, oh, I can wait till tomorrow when I'm really productive again, rather than like that, that just goes through the entire day. Like I don't keep that energy all the time. So you, so you need these kind of systems and structures in place to kind of focus yourself. And Definitely. then, and then you, you kind of know how your energy is going to be throughout the day. So you know that I need to, this, this is my sweet spot right here. And then later on, I'm going to be useless for anything. So I need to get everything done in this period of time here. A hundred percent. What would you be like if you didn't have those, those structures and those frameworks? Well, I think part of what happened at the beginning of lockdown is because I had no work 
I couldn't see my partner because he's a carer for his parents. So it was just me and the dog against the world and nobody expected anything of me that I, I really, really sunk quite low. And I was drinking tons and drinking way too much. Yeah. Um, I quit drinking six months ago, actually yeah. six months, two days ago. Um, so I, days were running into each other. There wasn't any structure. Nobody would like, I, I don't do well without people depending on me and knowing deadlines and knowing appointments that I need to hit. Um, and also having ambition, like, I've done some really big, big asks for things and I'm very much, you don't ask, you're never going to get it. So why not punt it out there? Like I'm never, I'm never embarrassed if I don't hear back from a big star, don't hear back from somebody. Um, I just asked Elizabeth Gilbert, who's Eat, Pray, Love yeah, to, no, do an insight, yeah. to do an insight thing. And her, uh, they put me in touch with the right people and her agent came back to me. And, and the budget was as it should be because she's a world-renowned speaker was absolutely huge and, and yep. we can't afford it. But like, I, that doesn't bother me because at least I got through to the right person to get the no. Like, and when we're doing it, when we're bigger and when, we're, um, when people are clamoring to get in to speak to us, I would love to have her. But, it, but at least I went through the process of finding the right person, asking and putting it out there. Um, and I, I kind of love those things. Like I like... Um, I, I know we've talked about it and you've seen it before, but uh, last year I went crazy, crazy viral with a video for my best friend's grandmother. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so basically one night at the pub, my best friend's grandmom has loved the rock for her entire, like my entire childhood in life. So Halloween, she used to wear a rock sweatshirt and that's 25 years ago for me. So grandmom Grover has loved the rock forever. And um, because I worked at the magazine, I had a database of people's contact details and stuff. So I went through his agent and his publicist and said, look, this is a long shot, but it's really weird, whatever. And then I tweeted about my punt to get him to do it. Yeah. And because somebody I knew some knew somebody and he responded to me directly and was like, 100 is an amazing age. What do you need from me? I'll do it right now. And like, then we started messaging back and forth and the the video that we had filmed of grandma getting her birthday greeting last year was on good morning america it was on the today yeah, show it went 24 million views like insane and so this year and and one of the things like people are like oh can you ask him this can you ask him this and i was like the reason he responds is because i don't ask him anything other than this one thing that is really pure and like all the licensing companies afterwards were like oh we'll license this we'll get you money we'll get... and it was like no this mm. was done for joy this wasn't done for money. This wasn't done as a cameo or any of that stuff. It was, it's a crazy juxtaposition of a woman that's a hundred loving the rock. Yep. And that's, and that's why it works, you know? And so this year I texted him and just said, I'm glad to hear your family's okay with the COVID thing. Grandmom turns 101. He's like, Oh, let me do another video. And it, and was like texting me. He's like, hold on a sec, Jay. And everyone was like, yep. the rock is texting. Me. I was like, he texts me back quicker than my boyfriend does. But but again, like that beautiful moment happened yeah. again this year, but it came out of a punt. It came out of asking something crazy. And like, it's, it's, it is nuts to see. Like her, her act, she's got three, 13 actual grandchildren and everyone's like, how are you the favorite grandchild? You're not even related. That's fantastic. But this is really interesting because it, it speaks of a kind of mentality. Like sometimes I will come up with an idea for something it could be a kind of new business venture. It could be an, another book. I've written a few books. And I just, before I've even started, I kind of think, oh, what's the point? It'll never happen. So I'm not going to put the energy in or the effort because it's just so unrealistic. Whereas on the other side of things, here you are, you've started, you know, you founded National Burger Day, the London Seafood Festival. 
you know, you got the rock to send two video messages to, you know, a close friend of yours. How do you, I mean, there must be a whole trail of things that haven't worked out that you've tried, which didn't work out. And, you know, people you've contacted, which ne who never got back to you and things like that. Does that yeah, ever put you off? But it, like, I think it was like when I was dating, like it's a law of averages. Like yeah. I, 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 my ego doesn't get hurt by getting shot down. It probably should, but yeah. it, I'm just not, it's just another funny story. I also have been very, very blessed and lucky in, in my life in London to hang out with some like crazy, crazy superstars. So yeah. like my best friend runs the Guilty Feminist podcast. And so this, the, the star power and the feminism and the, the, the level of thought leaders that she deals with all the time, you know, like is fascinating to me and going on those shows and, and how many moving pieces. Like, I think when you deal with people that, like there's tons of them that have honors and all that stuff. And I'm like, why don't I have an honors for Burger Day yet? <laughs> but it's just, it's, I think when everyone around you is doing crazy stellar stuff and yep. everybody's not in an office nine to five. So you hear about other people's accomplishments and you're celebrating those accomplishments and the bars just raised a little bit. Yep. And it's not, it's not like, Oh, you fell down at this one. This one didn't work. It's like, Oh, what can you do for the next one? Um, actually when we were shooting the octopus for uh, London seafood festival for the promo shoot, um, I was, it was right when the asthma con chess table, episode was coming out and there's a cinnamon kitchen that Vivek Singh is head chef. So that's at Battersea and we had the octopus. And as we were standing there and I was like, Oh my God, and we can use this movie theater and we could do this and we could do this. And um, my photographer for that was like, I've just never seen the way your mind makes these crazy leaps yeah. and then just go happen. And I, I do really think a lot of that is just not being afraid to ask. Because if someone says no, it's usually not a nasty no. It's like, this doesn't fit for me right now, yeah. but get in touch in the future. You know, like um, we did for, I just did a, a, a brand a hand, well, just in um, October and in February, but for Kefir, um, this beautiful brand, and they wanted to do sampling and they were talking about, it was a kid's brand and how do they get kids to stop and pay attention? And because I had worked with Miss Balooniverse a couple times for Seafood Festival and I had met her at a Moshi Monsters thing, I wanted to do the Damien Hirst body, uh, but made out of balloons. So you saw the digestive system, but in balloons to make it for kids, which is, a, it's just weird. It's just weird, but it's Instagrammable. People stop yeah. and people talk about it and people listen. And it's, it's things like that, that when the connections are made, I don't really worry about finding suppliers to do it because my circle of people will be like, Oh, I know somebody could do that or this part yeah. of it. Or, but I re I'm a big fan of taking little ideas and you tell somebody them and they're like, Oh, I know how to improve on that. If you did this, if you did this, this will work better. And so like, that's the kind of stuff when you can collaborate with people and it's really fun and it clicks and then you actually see it come to life. And yeah, some of them are bonkers, but some of them are just, they really make sense. They've got a business sense. That's the thing with burger day. Yes, it was my birthday and yes, it was a party, but we were mining a community for data to yeah. then push Mr. Hyde. So there was an actual business purpose behind the marketing and like, yeah, the parties are fun, but actually like by the time I left shortlist, we had 15, like uh, we had 1500 restaurants. The first year was 176 restaurants that I walked in personally and was like, will you do this for me? So if I wasn't, if I was shy, I think it would be very hard to like ask restaurants to take a punt on it. But by the last year, it was like the busiest day Bleecker had every year. It was like yeah. their Christmas. So it's 
so we've taken it back over and we're going to be doing it again next year. But um, there, there is often more business sense behind the ideas rather than just like big, showy, crazy ideas. So there's, I'm getting some themes coming through here. So you've got to have energy or enthusiasm and, and know about your energy. So be aware of it. Know when you're kind of at your best. Know when you're at your worst. Imagination and creativity. Fearlessness, I think, is another thing. You've got to be not afraid of, of kind of falling on your face every time and just going out there and doing it. And then I guess there's strategic as well because you, there's always this kind of business um, and almost most importantly is the team around you. So like the woman that I do London Seafood with, Heather Wilson, who was an events head at Stylist, like for all of my big razzmatazz stuff, she's the one that does all the risk assessments and comes in and is like, how can we actually do this? How can we get it yep. done at cost? So like her genius with my creativity and her way of putting it together is how it actually gets made. It's like, it's the actual purpose of how it gets done. Whereas without my teammates and stuff, I would fall on my face all the time. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was speaking to um, a friend of my wife's and he is a, um, he's a managing director of uh, quite a large company. They make um, uh, shower uh, fittings, but it's a, it's a big, big company. And I was sort of talking to him about marketing and he was saying, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about marketing. I've got someone who does that for me. And, I, you know, someone else does the sales, someone else does the, you know, the buying and, and selling. I just kind of have the ideas and I manage the whole, the whole process. And I guess that's, that's how it works. When you try and do it all yourself, you can't, you haven't got that skill. Well, yesterday I listened to a talk um, from Quest in uh, Sweden and it, it's their founder, Ola, was talking about different ways he works with companies to make them sustainable. And one of the things he showed was um, one of his companies has an open source jumper for outdoor wear that doesn't shed any microfibers so okay. that it doesn't hurt the environment and doesn't hurt the sea but they're they're making it open source and they're sharing it and i'm that kind of idea and like we do some brainstorming with different friends if i've got something that i'm stuck on i've got a group of people that i'm like where can i go with this what can i do with this and having those type of friends where i'm not really worried about my ideas going somewhere else because yep. It's the, it's the implementation and it's the passion to get them amplified, which is where I really come in. Um, but like open sourcing more of that takes away and makes for more diverse ideas, more diverse ideas getting out there, more people coming into the, the sphere that makes everything a lot better. Because if it's the same, like if everybody in London was from Philly and had my ballsy attitude, I wouldn't be that different here. Whereas yeah. like, my experience of being an expat, having lived here 18 years, having worked in the magazines and learned a new visual way of storytelling and stuff, all of that has added to who I am and what I try to pull off. But, but if it's not seat of the pants, by the time you're pulling it off, you're doing something wrong. Like we're yeah. always scared that everything's going to fail. We're always scared that there's going to be a national pandemic, an international pandemic. There's a famous, I think it's either a motorcycle racing driver or a Formula One driver who says, if you're not terrified, you're not going fast enough. Yeah, I, I definitely am up for that. Like, yeah. and, and this year, like I sharing my whole thing about quitting drinking and I'm like the poster child of it this year. And a lot of people are like, are, are you sure you want to put that out there? What if people yeah. reject it or don't react to it well? And it's like, you know what? It, it holds me accountable and I'm getting more attention for my not drinking than I was for my drunken antics at the end of it. So yeah. it's kind of like, 
it's, if it's helped, I got a text this morning from somebody that was like, I'm really thinking of it, but what do you do with all that time that you used to be drinking? And I went through and I was like, I think what I called boredom in that beginning bit was just me waiting to start drinking again. Whereas now I'm not bored. I've said to a couple of friends last week, like, where did I find that much time to drink or to be in the pub? Like, I'm so busy right now. And, and I am starting a new business with Insight. So obviously that's taking tons and tons of brain power and mind space and stuff, which is great because I'm really excited about it. But like, thank God I'm not drunk. Thank God I'm not yeah. hungover for these meetings. And, and when you are at a company for 10 years, a lot of that time was schmoozing people and drinking, but then a lot of it was just my personal schmoozing and drinking, which didn't lead to creativity, didn't lead to my productive mornings being spent wisely. Um, so yeah, so I am shouting about it a lot, but it's, it's one of those things that like, feels like once the chapter is closed, I haven't really thought about it. Like, I don't think about it every day anymore. I'm not looking at my phone to see how many days it is. And I'm only six months in, but it's just like, okay, that's over. That's Next. pretty significant. You had a, an article yesterday, didn't you, in one of the magazines? Which magazine was that? Uh, last week in Women's Health. Okay. <laughs> nobody, yeah. nobody ever thought I was going to be in Women's Health. Like, that's, that's the bingo thing on 2020 yeah. that no one saw coming. But um, yeah, and... And a lot of people are like, oh, do you want to be anonymous in case clients or in case people see this? And I'm like, not at all. Like, yeah. it's, it's definitely a part of what I've done. It's a part of who I am. And, and I'm kind of loud and proud about it because I feel like I've kind of got a superhero thing right now where if I can harness the energy it took to do that to other areas of my life, then let's go. You know, it's, it's really yeah. actually quite exciting. I mean, is this, is this all about kind of taking ownership and saying, hang on, my life, I am in charge of my life. I can you know, focus energy over here, or I can make this happen, or I can do this, and I can, I can share this energy with the world and, and live out loud and, and just, you know, everything is under my control here. And I think I really lost, I lost sight and I lost the power of that. Um, my mom died two years ago or two and a half years now. And during that grieving time, I, I, even though I was doing some big projects and I got some things off the ground, the, the team that I talked about earlier had to carry me quite a, yeah. quite a lot of the way because I, I didn't feel in control. I didn't, I, the days that I wanted to stay in bed were more than the days I wanted to get up. And then everyone kept saying about the time it would take to get over it. And not that I'm over it, but the time that it takes where you do feel in control again. And it really was almost two years to the day. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, do you know what? This drinking thing, knock it on the head, done. I'm, I'm starting to jog and do some more exercise and I'm starting like a noom thing. And, and it's like, you know what? if I want to drive, let me drive a Maserati. Like, yep. let's, let's get it all in place. And, and one of the things is I, no one can take 2020 away from me. I quit drinking, which no one expected. I've taken up jogging. Like, these are the things that I, that I always had complete control over. I just wasn't doing. Yeah. And, and it's, it actually feels like a superpower power to un, to unprogram and unlearn some of those habits because it, we have a long enough time and I had nothing else to do. So it was like, you get up, you walk the dog for an extensive period of time. You go to a butcher, you go to, you go to the grocer, you come home. That's it. Like you're, you yeah. read a book today, you do, but like getting, getting a hold of that and, and actually deciding how I was going to spend that, those hours of the day and using, using lockdown for something good for me was a real, real decision. Sorry about that. I, yeah, because I, I often think, you know, we spend so much energy worrying about things we can't control, like what people think, you know, what's going on sort of outside of us. And really, there are only th three things we can control. And that's what we think, what we do and how we feel. 
but by by kind of taking ownership of those things, by taking ownership of our actions and our feelings and our mental kind of capacity and, and health, um, we can start to exert it an influence over those other things. You know, even if it's subconscious, the way we kind of interact with the world, we'll start to kind of, like you say, a superpower, it'll start to make things fall into place for us outside. So, uh, and like getting control of your sleep patterns, yeah. getting, control, getting control of that and getting control like, there were definitely in the beginning of lockdown. I was I was so depressed. I was so upset about work going away. I had I really just felt like I had nothing, and I was like I spent all of this time building and working so hard towards having my own company and doing all this stuff, and there's nothing to show for it. If at the end of this, because I got sick, I still don't know if it was COVID or shingles, but yep. because well, I had stress, nothing, isn't it? Stress related, I should think. Awful. And, and then it was like, is this, is this what I have to show for all my vibrance, for all my ideas, for everything yeah. I've given? Like, this is shit. No. And, and I, I, I also wiped my own slate clean. is because it was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to just be guilty about everything I've done and every time I fucked up or everything that fell on my face. I'm not going to concentrate on all of those. I've got a new, I've got a little space where I can't go out. I can't see anyone. All I can do is right here, right now. Yeah. And it really did. Like, it sounds a bit mumbo jumbo for me, but it really, really laser focused that I got my stuff together. You know, like I, I, and I read a couple books about the drinking thing, but I've just stopped. I'm not, I'm not doing any real programs. I'm on one WhatsApp group about it. And it's kind of just feels like a chapter in the past and it feels like it led to this and now it's done. And like, I feel really, really fully powered up to go and do new things. Yeah. It's, let's, cause let's talk about that a little bit. So you were doing these events um, and that was your business. It was about bringing people together in kind of close proximity to each other, which is exactly what we can't do now. And I remember like having this conversation on, on Twitter about, you know, we have no choice now we've got to pivot. The whole world needs to, to pivot and you either, and it's like everything, you know, it's, it's like the taxi drivers complaining when Uber started up. It's like the, the people who make cassette tapes complaining when compact discs came, in, came yeah. along. You can either stay still and, and get stuck, or you can use this as an opportunity to grow and to change. So how, you know, how did that work for you? How did that, did you have to hit a, a little bit of rock bottom before you kind of started to climb your way back out again? What, what was the process? So I, I, uh, I joined a book organization, which going to name that was that was horrific and I only did two two weeks there but it was uh it was everything I'm against in terms of racist sexist nonsense and I had a screaming fight about it and I was like I will not put my name to any of this I'm out so what is it Um, it it was it was was a it was a literary online thing Uh, okay yeah and I I it it ended in flames which I was glad I got out when I did but it was only two weeks but um and that was kind of when I was like no, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste time on something that doesn't have worthy purpose. Yeah. I'm not gonna waste time on something that I'm not proud to put my name to. Like that's not me. Um, especially because when I do put my name to things, I wear burger tiaras and I, I, I live, sleep, and eat it. You know, like I'm, I'm my own biggest publicist. So get once that was out of the way, um, Alex Myers, who is the founder of Manifest. It was on a WhatsApp. I've known him for like 12 years. And he's like, we were writing this job description. And then the more I wrote this job description, the more it was this, this is Klingler. Like everything we're writing about the type of person that we need that needs to just go off and build this business and do it themselves is Klingler. Um, 
And so I went and talked to him about it. And, and it's a punt, you know, like we're, I'm super, super excited though, because the broad range of what we're going to do in terms of a new professional development platform for marketing and communications people. So yeah, explain what it is, because I, I've looked on the website and it's very highbrow. And um, yeah, so we are, we're in the process of changing it, which, which um, is actually the most exciting part. But basically, when you go to a university for something like PR and communications, there's, there's a bit of a negative connotation that it's a Mickey Mouse degree, at least in America. Um, like, why do you need to be taught how to communicate? Or why do you need to be taught how to do marketing? And then the courses and the coursework isn't really very applicable. So when you come into those businesses, you're taught again from scratch and you're taught how to use all the tools. And, but, but all of it is outdated. It's not talking about how do you teach brands to react to Black Lives Matter? How do you teach young communications people or CMOs how to react if their supply, supply chain turns out to use slave labor? Like what, what are those things that are actually facing companies right now? How are brands living and how are brands living within an ecosystem that the customers care about this stuff? They care if they're sustainable. They care if there's women on the board. They care if there's people of color within the decision-making process. They don't want Marks and Spencer's biryani that's a, that's a wrap that doesn't have rice in it. You know, like things like that. Decisions like that are made because there's no people of color or of that culture in any part of that decision-making chain before that goes on shelves. So talking um, manifest whole thing is about people, the um, people and the world and like where you fit into that and where all of your movements and how the, like what clients you use, you don't take on clients that have slave labor. You know, it's not just about, it's not about whitewashing what they're doing. It's not about hiding or doing spin. It's about working with clients that are good people and that are making products that good people want to use and they're happy to shout about it. So like BrewDog, we did a talk with them last week and they've got, they're not only being carbon neutral, they're being carbon positive. So they're planning forest to go back against everything and all the nature, but it's their whole supply chain too. It's not just them. So one of the things that James Watt, who did a great talk the last week about it was, was like, also, if they make bad beer, if there's beer that doesn't work for whatever reason, doesn't taste right or whatever, the, the beer stock that they're not able to use as beer, they're now making vodka out of. Okay. So like, again, it's, it's, it's pivoting. It's, it's yeah. okay, this, this one didn't work. How do we fix it? Using cans that nobody else would use, they'll use those cans and sell them at a different rate. But again, it's like, the thought process that goes into each of those decisions is really, really interesting to me. So like rather than the chartered institutes and the, and the longstanding organizations that get a stamp on your website somewhere, yeah. we want to really, we want people to take, take ownership of their own professional development. So rather than going to two courses where you go and sit in an auditorium and you take three notes so that you can go on your appraisal and say, I bettered myself this year. These are things that I want to listen to. They're, they're speakers that I want to talk to. They're, they're figuring out what B Corps is. Um, this week, I listened to something about ESGP, which is environment, um, social, governance, um, and purpose, which, and how those things fall together, which is something I've never heard of before. So it's, it's learning why these things matter and why we're communicating them and why the impact matters. And actually, we're marketed to all the time. Yeah. But if it's if it's done well and it's something that you're excited to buy, you're excited to share about, like I'm evangelical if I love something like, and it's not because I'm getting paid for it. It's because 
it changes how I react to things in the world. Like if I read a book I love, I want everyone around me to read it because I want to talk about it. I want, I want to think like I read Shuggy Bane a couple weeks ago and the, the relationship between his mother, Agnes, who is, is very, very addicted to alcohol, but it affects her children horrifically. But he's the little boy that's trying to protect her and trying to take care of her. And like, I think of Shuggy all the time. I think of that relationship between the mother and son. And I've told everyone I know about the book. And so it's things like that, that like insight is going to shift and we're working on how to make it not just content, but an interactive ecosystem for learning. So I've got a couple of different directions I'd like to go in with this because we've kind of gone up. This is now very interesting, but it's a very different topic to what we started on. But leave me away. Well, it's, it's something I'm really interested in as well because I, I kind of devour Seth Godin and he's he's very much about marketing is not just what you put on billboards. It's how you operate. It's how you, how you are in the world. And that's, you know, when you're talking about huge companies like British Airways or Coca-Cola or someone like that, how do you get them to act in an authentically ethical way when they are just essentially a big corporate machine? How do you, how do you get into that? So Nick Govier, I learned this this week. (laughs) This is what's fun about my new job. But Nick Govier of Blurred, um, what they do is the ESGP, which is all about the purpose. And the reason it matters is that the big blue chip pension companies are only going to invest those big pensions in companies that can prove what their ESG rating is. And so if they're not able to prove their supply chains are clean, and they're not able to prove that what they're doing is for the betterment. Um, like they're not, they're not destroying reefs in Australia. They're not like all of those parts need to work together for their ESG rating, and it's all so audited. But if you're not getting like the pension fund in California from firefighters and teachers, if you don't have access to getting invested in by any of that money, you have to clean up your act. And so like, that's the part I didn't, I didn't really understand is why would anybody change because it's not cheap to change, but, but because of those policies and because of what's happening behind the scenes of those ratings, it is affecting where that money gets invested and, and how that money is divested through those companies. I mean, I guess this is still early days and there's a lot of money and investment out there that isn't bothered about these, these ratings. Yeah. But this is... But, but this is where I, I didn't understand how that equation worked and I didn't understand why they would do it without being like, without being forced. But because of, because of like how blue chip BA and all that is, and also because BA and stuff is getting bailed out by the government, there, there's gotta be some social conscience that then takes place. How do we, cause I mean, this is as well, you know, there's so many, especially in the UK, there's so many businesses now that, for one reason or another, they have links and connections, especially with the banks and things like this that go back to colonial times where, you know, we've only just started paying off, um, I think it was reparations to slave owners who had all their slaves kind of taken off them. Um, You know, when slavery was abolished in the UK, we've only just in the last five years finished paying off reparations for that. And no one really knows where the the money trail is. No one knows who they're paying off anymore. So how can you, how can you really be, a clean company these days when the tendrils of this kind of unethical past are, you know, everywhere. Chris, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that. Definitely don't know that. I do know though, that by working with companies that make it a priority to be B Core, like um, I was talking to John Brown at Don't Cry Wolf and 
he was telling me how they're suppliers for swag. So like all agencies have tons of t-shirts and hats and this, that, and the other thing. And like all of their suppliers now go through this B Corp thing where that tells them that they are ethically sourced, that fair wages are paid. I did a big campaign, as you can see my floral arrangements <laughs> behind me. I, um, I did a big campaign for Arena this summer. That was one of my favorite campaigns I've ever done. Because when I was first talking to them, they wanted me to find a couple of influencers to talk about their subscription service. And I was like, well, actually, like, what's, how many bouquets could I have? And we negotiated how many bouquets I could have. And then I basically just opened up my address book. And the, the thing that worked about the campaign is it was completely honest. So it was like, they asked me who I could brighten up lockdown for. And they were signed from me. And then it talked about that they're the most ethical florist in the country and that um, the reason the subscriptions work is because that's the flowers that are abundant right then. And like they made new boxes that are all come, I can never say compostable. Yeah. Um, but because you were able to do that, but there was no, there was no hidden agenda. It was just me being able to send flowers to tons and tons of people in different communities that I've worked with over the years. And it went viral. Like it went nuts because it was just an honest, an honestly amazing way to work because it wasn't like them buying addresses off me and it wasn't just cloak and dagger. It was just really all very honest. And it was like, everybody got a ton of peonies to, to kind of brighten up what's been a really, really hard year. Yeah. And again, when you have that kind of transparency in business. It's surprising. It's really kind. It's really nice. And then you get some magic and you get people really like paying attention and listening and sharing because they want to share, not because there's a paid endorsement and there's a, there's a, you have to, you have to post three times in this window of time period. You know, it was very much, I, it was a generous thing to do. And if they wanted to react to the generosity, they could, but it wasn't, it wasn't forced and it wasn't contractual or any of that stuff, which I think makes a big difference. So this is a, a lot of this is just about authenticity, isn't it? It's about being genuine in what you're trying to do and not doing it for clicks, not doing it for the hits or the likes or the, you know, the billboards, but actually believing in what you're, what Absolutely. you're doing. Yeah. And do you, do you think that's a kind of, when it comes back, if we bring it back to kind of designing your own life, do you think there is a, a need to find your authentic voice and what you, what you want and who you are and all, all that kind of stuff? So all the jobs I've ever had have kind of been made for me. So like, although I was the photo director at Shortlist, I also was the editorial finance manager. Mm -hmm. So kind of I get in and then I wiggle around and kind of take all different projects and figure out what I'm doing. And, and so I guess I've never learned how to just be straight and narrow down the line. That doesn't mean that I haven't had corporate security clients that I run some small events for, you know, I never want to just do it, do weddings because that's not where I can be creative and that's not where the, the idea process would lead me. But it's not to say that you don't do whatever you have to do to feed your kids and, and yeah. get dinner on the table, you know? So I'm not saying everyone can be authentic all of the time. Um, I think that when you're doing your life's passion and your life's work, if you can get that and you can get those things to meld, then you've got it made. And then once that's coming through, I think it benefits every other area of your life. Because if you're excited and you're happy to see everybody and you're happy to share what you're doing with other people and you're not like whispering oh this is what I'm doing now like when you when you want to shout about it um I just think it makes for such a happier existence and a happier life like and seafood like I'm so proud of London Seafood Festival but the first year it was Tuesday through Sunday and my mom died the Saturday before and it was it was and I was the face of it 
and it was killer. You know, like the, the press night was Tuesday and it had been three days and everybody that I had invited that I knew was coming, I was like, emailed them and was like, really appreciate you coming for support. Do not touch me. If you touch yeah. me, I'm going to break. Like, I know you're here and I know why you're here, but do not physically encroach on me because if you do, it all goes. It's going to fall apart. And, and, and then the anniversary was the next year. <laughs> Sod's law, you know, and it was the same weekend. But it, um, but she knew I had come back to do it and she told me to come back and to kick ass. And I did. And then I broke down, obviously. But it, because it's so personal and my work is so personal to me, like I know people see things sometimes. People like National Burger Day always, who the hell comes up with this shit? And then I'm always like, oh, I do. They're like, you couldn't have just made up a day. And I'm like, I, I genuinely made it on my birthday to be funny. Like, you can yeah. just make it a day. Throw some marketing money on it. Get it on Wikipedia. Get it in some news. Then it becomes a thing, you know? Like, but it's, it's again, it's if you don't have a driving force behind making something stand out, things get lost in the crowd. You know, yeah. like, if you're not shouting about it all the time, if you're not willing... Like if it's just one event of a calendar of events or one event of a myriad of events and there's nothing that makes it unique, like, and there's, and there's a million events a year that are as personal to other people as this is to me. Like I've, I've thought a million times when we're at Battersea Power Station, I'm doing a, a consumer event, but like building those buildings, they've got 3,000 people on site at all times, like 24 hours a day for six years. Like that kind of project management is so creative in a very mechanical, very understood way that is not how my brain works. But like, yeah, I can get you octopuses. I can get you mermaids. I can, you know, but like that's genius in its own way. It's just not a genius that I know how to do. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're, if you're someone who is a bit low energy like me, and you want to you want to take ownership. So you you maybe your your thing, whatever it was, has been hit by COVID, and you're there and you're down in the dumps. How can you? How do you find that energy to pick yourself up and, and start? One new? of the beauties of, and I know it can be accessible, but one of the beauties of Twitter, and one of the beauties of the web is that you can always find a, a like-minded or someone in your same situation that has come out the other side. Yeah. Um, I think that there's support in lots and lots of ways on Twitter that you wouldn't find like you and I chatting again after how many years since I commissioned you. Like, I think that there's little pockets of support. Um, my boyfriend from college saw one of my articles two days ago and reached out and just said like, this is amazing. How are you doing? How's work? How's life? And, and again, like there's people that are there for certain pockets of your life and little times that, that you can find that, that know you and know your strengths and can say, look, you're concentrating on all yeah. this energy on a book that's not going anywhere, but you've got this other idea that there's something that you're chewing on there. Yeah. Shelf that one, take the new one. Or, or something that sat in, sat in a closet for the last five years that you could then reshape. And the other thing, like for insight, yeah, everyone's used to Zoom. So people that I could never have afforded back in the day, we'll do a Zoom call because it's, it's only an hour and a half. They don't have to fly anywhere. They don't have, we don't have to worry about hair and makeup. We don't have to put studios into their houses. So like use the opportunities that this situation, which is hell, has afforded us. Um, I think earlier when we were starting to talk, we were talking about, um, I was about to talk about On the Rocks. I went to the cinema for the first time in whatever, six months. And it's Rashida 
it's Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. And um, it's a dad-daughter movie. And like, I really, really miss my dad. I really miss my sisters. I, I have had two flights canceled home and now I just wait. And I hope that I'll get to go next year, but it's better that we're all safe and alive than getting there. But again, it's like, we've done a lot of families, excuse yep. me, we've done a lot of family Zooms and it's us watching NFL together via WhatsApp and just going like, oh my God, did you see that kick? And then me telling him I can't watch, I can't watch football that way because he's, I'm on a delay and he's killing me because he's telling me things before the TV <laughs> happens. But it's, I think it's re-looking at your relationships with people using the tech that you can use. But you telling me what you've done over the last three years, I could be like, wow, this really stands out to me. Whereas if you yep. tell somebody that's lived it with you, they won't see those parts. So I think different eyes on your experience can really help at times. I think this is something you've kind of touched on several times. You know, it's, you're, you're surrounded. There's a, there's a saying, you know, you're, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with, you know. So it's about having those people, like you say, who have a high bar and it gives you the kind of courage to try big things yourself. Um, and just, yeah, and I think there's also this, this idea, and I can't remember where it came from, but I, I wrote a column for a magazine that I, I write a column for regularly. And it's this whole idea that, that being alive is all about change. And if you try and stay still, that's where, you know, you're not alive there. So when, you're, when things fall apart, you know, rather than waiting for everything else to come together, you know, wait, waiting for the new, someone else to decide what the new normal is, it's up to you to kind of flex and adapt. You know, if you can't see your family face to face, you have to get comfortable using Zoom. And, you know, if you can't run your business, bringing people together in a, in a confined space, you have to pivot and try something else and speak to your contacts. And it's just finding that vibrancy and energy, I think, and being fearless as well, just is kind of vital, really. And, it, and that's the whole thing is like, if stuff doesn't work, it doesn't work. Everybody expects this year to be a write-off. So like your base point of this year is hell. And yeah. all of us, like that was kind of the thing with the drinking is I was like Googling detoxing in Thailand and it was like seven grand and they were going to give me shit food and make me do yoga. And I was like, I'm locked in right now. Why yeah. don't I just stop it? And so I did it. And like at the beginning, I didn't talk about it. I, and I talk about everything on social. I didn't mention it until yeah. I hit the three months mark and the U Magazine thing came out. Like I had kept it really, really quiet because I kind of wanted to test my baby sea legs on being sober. And then by the time the article came out, I was like, I'm done, done. And like, I'd spoken to a doctor for the article and then it was like, no, this, this is good. Like I'm out, like that chapter is gone. And nobody can take that I transformed my life in 2020 away from me. And it was something I like super individual, super personal, but it, it, it then made me feel like I could tackle the rest of the year. And like yesterday was hard finding out that we're going into another tier and yeah. worrying about everything and, and feeling it prolonged and not feeling much progress or hope, but okay, let's, let's, let's look at the, let's look at the positives and let's look at what I can achieve in the next six months, make some six months goal. Let's look at it at six months. If it only takes three, brilliant. We did, we're quicker, you know, but yeah. I do yeah. think having, having a, like, and don't like November 3rd, if he gets back in, I will be on the floor. I, I don't know what my six yeah. months will look like, but but right now I got some hope and I'm going to utilize that hope and, and really see what happens for the next six months. But I'm, I'm feeling really good about it. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, I really think that half the time we, we kind of find our definition of what our lives are by the, the structures that are kind of imposed on us, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, all this kind of stuff. And then we've had all of that taken away. And 
people are, and I see it on the streets, you know, normally when I'm driving along, I see fit people jogging, you know, really kind of healthy looking athletic people. But see, now you see me. Well, this is it. I'm seeing people, they don't have the right shoes on. They, they clearly haven't been running much. You know, they've never done this before. But it's like, I'm now in a position where I have to decide what to do with my life rather than just following these kind of, these train tracks that I've been on the whole time. They've been laid down. I by think my people. scariest part too, which I think a lot of people relate to is I, not only my real life got, got obliterated, but my safety net, like I waitressed my way through college. So I waitressed for seven years to pay for my university. Then when I was first in New York, I waitressed those three years. So like, I always knew that I could pick up and run a restaurant. I, I'm, I'm a really good waitress. I'm chatty. I'm personable. And so my backup plan was always that I would never starve. I would always work in a restaurant or a pub. And when that went away, I was just shaken to the core because yeah. that, that part of stability and that part of there's always going to be restaurants. And, like, and that's my community. They're my people. And so like losing that really meant I had to drive my own bus. Yeah. And whichever way it was coming – I just had to figure it out. And I guess that was like, because there were no other options, I really had to master what I was going to do. Like nobody was going to pick me up and make me do anything. Cause I, I guess there's, I've heard someone say, you know, you have to, you have to take control. You have to step up because what's the alternative, you know, you just fall apart and let, you know, fate take its course. But and I, I think constructs of having kids and ha like so I don't have children and I'm by myself yeah. with the dog so like it literally was sort your shit out like there yeah. like I didn't what else was I gonna do yeah like it was it was scary when I got sick and I was by myself and it was like kind of do or die and and that that lit a fire and I'm glad that I still had the reserve for that fire to really flourish and to feel like that person in April feels so, so far from who I am right now. Yeah. But probably taught you a lot about yourself at the same time. Yeah. Brilliant. And I, I think I'm on my 126th book of the year. <laughs> Fantastic. What are you, so which one are you reading now? Um, I am about, I finished one this morning. I finished a really cheery grief is a thing with feathers this morning. Yeah. I think I, I saw you tweeting about that this morning. Yeah. Um, which was devastatingly sad, but beautiful. Um, and I am finishing the Booker Prize list. So I've got four of them left to go. So I'm going to get back into the Booker Prize list because uh, Shuggy Bane in real life on the Booker Prize list and Burnt Sugar I've read, um, which were all excellent. Like the Booker Prize this year is lit. It's really good. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. Well, I will leave you to it. We've gone on for ages and I've taken up – you've got so much going on i've taken up all of your time but um, not at all it's been fun it has been really fun and and you know if people want to find out more about the work you do and um insight and and manifest what are the best what's the best way to do it how do they um start? so if you want to follow us on twitter at insight underscore global or if you want to check out uh the website it's insight.global and then my personal uh business site is creative influence alliance because again i think it's an alliance yeah of that that make creativity happen and make it work fantastic cool and i will put all of those urls and everything in the in the notes for the show and, right. and if you want puppy pictures just follow me on uh, instagram <laughs> yep will do i'm sure i do already but if i don't I'll, I'll follow you anyway but brilliant thank you so much for that and um yeah I, I just think you know we're kind of in a position now where the world is our oyster in a, in a kind of strange roundabout way we, we have to decide what our new normal is going to be rather than wait for someone else to choose it for us so so thank you very much. Cool. Thank you for having me. No worries. 
So there you go, that was the contagiously energetic Jamie Klingler, and I feel empowered and enthused to go out there and start doing stuff now, and I hope you do too. Uh, if you're watching this, The Rock, Dwayne, give me a call. Perhaps we can um, get you on the podcast as well. We can share workout tips and stuff like that. Um, and for everyone else listening, I hope you enjoyed that. Let's subscribe, rate, do all those things that apparently you're supposed to do to make um, podcasts popular. I'm sure there are algorithms that feed off your feedback that will promote me and make me world famous and all that kind of stuff. So do all of that. Kind of give me a bit of support here. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Back Pocket Notebooks, backpocket.co, because um, I've just received my first order from them and I love notebooks. I spend my whole life writing stuff down because it's very busy in here and I like to get stuff out before it goes gets all twisted and knotted i like to write it down and back pocket notebooks backpocket.co are the people to go to for very cute well-designed limited edition beautifully illustrated and functional notebooks uh, check them out they're well worth looking at um, that's not an ad by the way i just like their notebooks and uh, also if you want to get hold of my book shine manifesto like i said at the beginning um, my newsletter sign up to my newsletter and you get it for free or it's on amazon and every other place where you want to get good books all right hope you enjoyed that conversation stay tuned subscribe and um, come back again soon because we've got a lot of interesting people lined up to talk to thanks very much mm-hmm.